This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I have been following Aparna Nancherla on Twitter for a while now and was really excited to see her start to show up in various TV shows. Master of None, Crashing, Corporate. Earlier this month, she had a half-hour special debut on Netflix as part of the stand-up series. She's one of those smart, funny people you just hope does well in the world. Or maybe it's just me sitting around on Twitter wishing strangers well. Now that I say that out loud, it might just be me. Anyway, I've been on social media stalking Aparna for months, so I was thrilled when she agreed to an interview last time I was in New York. We talked about how she watched her mom deal with anxiety when she was growing up, how disorienting it must have been for her mom to have two daughters who grew up in a completely different culture from herself, what her parents' arranged marriage taught Aparna about relationships, and how finally getting medication for depression and anxiety gave her the boost to try stand-up. I'm Amy Westervelt, and this is Tell Me About Your Mother. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I was hoping you could start with where you grew up and like what your sort of early memories are of your mom. Sure. Um, so I grew up outside Washington, D.C. in the suburbs of Northern Virginia. And it was a pretty, I would say, typical, maybe upper middle class upbringing. Um, like we lived on a cul-de-sac growing up and... My parents are both immigrants from India, like my dad came over here first and then had an arranged marriage with my mom and then she came over here, but they're both doctors. So she was kind of actually still finishing up like her med school education, like when she had my sister and I. So she was, yeah, so she was juggling, I think, a lot on her plate at, um, in her early 20s, I think compared to maybe people in their early 20s now or even yeah. when I was in my early 20s. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember growing up like she would um, just be on call a lot. And I think she was doing her residency when my sister and I were still pretty young. So we had like a nanny growing up and both my parents w- worked full time. So I think it yeah. was just a lot of like them being really busy and then uh, we would see them, but it would be like, you know, at the end of the day or like sometimes we wouldn't see them for a while because they'd be on call or something. Yeah, but yeah. I do remember that that informed a lot of like early life. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you feel about that as a kid? Did you like want them around more or were you like, whatever, guys, see you later? Um, yeah. I mean, I was a pretty introverted kid. So I did. I was like closer to my family than maybe like 
wanting to go play with friends or something like I stayed at home a lot. So I think I did like having them around. Um, But I do remember they would, you know, when they were home, we would like go to the museum or go to the library. So I feel like I held on to like opportunities to hang out like that. And Mm -hmm. then uh, they would also take us like if they had like a medical conference, we we would kind of use it as like a family vacation. We'd like all go to that place and then. Um, I'm trying to think like I think we went to one in Hawaii once and we you know like they would try to mix in like along with whatever business reason they were there they would be like oh let's try and see this place and like do a bunch of things so I think they tried to like make the most of of spending time together as a family and going to see things and do things but um but yeah like when during the school year and stuff it would be a lot of them sort of working and then we would my sister and I would be sort of each other's company yeah yeah um do you think that you're or did you ever hear your mom in particular talking about like any kind of I don't know like struggle with that so like um as a little bit of background on that question yeah (laughs) I have um just finished working on a book about perceptions of motherhood Mm -hmm. across different groups of people in the U.S. and how that impacts kind of like general cultural thought and expectations for women whether they have kids or not and then also like policy and anyway like one of the things that kept coming up over and over again was the kind of dominant white middle class narrative Mm -hmm. is that like work and motherhood are in conflict and that like yeah you know if you're doing one too much then the other one's suffering and whatever sure. so like um but that's not really it doesn't really hold true in any other group yeah right <laughs> like everyone else is mm-hmm. like yeah we just have to do what we have to do like right so anyway i'm curious if if you remember hearing anything about that as a as a kid or even like a teen yeah that's interesting because i think my family was pretty guarded in terms of emotions like we would talk about you know someone is upset obviously we would like talk it out but there was a lot that I think was under the surface that maybe wouldn't be discussed and I think my mom has dealt with depression and anxiety from a young age and I think my sister and I both inherited degrees of that and that like didn't come to light until a lot later in our lives when we were older so I think there was a lot of stuff that was maybe uh, not talked about that was happening. And I think in that sense, like if she was struggling or like feeling overburdened between like balancing personal and professional life, like she wasn't vocal about it. And I think it was because she didn't want us to like take on her anxiety or her worry. But, But obviously it's like that kind of stuff will still come out in different ways, even if you're not talking about it openly so I think it it was sort of this backdrop to things but we like my sister and I weren't able to maybe name that at a young age what exactly that was or like I think when you're a kid growing up you sort of assume whatever your circumstances are is the normal and how it is for everyone so you're not able to be like oh well this is a weird thing that not everyone goes through yeah Yeah. totally I feel like I'm still realizing things were weird that yeah yeah oh everyone didn't do that right right (laughs) because everyone's just trying to figure it out I think and make it work yeah yeah um so with the anxiety and depression stuff, mm-hmm. at, at what point like did that start coming out? And like, did you know when you were, um, you know, growing up that your mom had had that going on, or was she was she kind of like? Quiet I about didn't it? like we. 
I think I knew that both my parents were like pretty work driven and um, very focused and 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 good about like being productive. And I remember there was like this emphasis on just always keeping busy and doing work and like not being lazy or something. But I mm-hmm. I don't remember necessarily an openness around being like oh I'm having like a hard time or like I need help with something like it was that was a little bit less of an open forum for discussion yeah um but I do remember like my sister I think when she was in middle school and high school started having like more friction around school and like I think she transferred like my parents put us in private school I think when I was in fourth grade and she was in sixth grade and I think just starting at a new school was like hard for her so she started having some like tension around that and then I think that kind of opened up the discussion more about like oh if someone is going through a hard time like how are we going to handle it and then I think that sort of led to me being like oh my sister is having a hard time I'm gonna like try not to create additional stress for everyone so kind of keeping a lower profile but in that sense, I think I was modeling maybe um, my parents' like behavior of like n- trying not to, you know, take up too much space or like create more work for everyone. So I right. think it was kind of like, oh, let me balance out this person having a harder time right now. I'll try to be like a little bit easier yeah. for everyone. And then I think later when I hit college, I kind of started having a hard time because I think it was sort of an inevitable delay from earlier and I think that was first when mental health kind of became a more open discussion among all of us and I think um my sister kind of brought to light that she remembered growing up and remembered my mom being like really stressed out all the time and very like anxious and I think I was sort of more oblivious to it but I think it my sister was a lot more aware of it maybe because she was older and uh, my mom might have confided in her a bit more since she was older. So I think uh, that was the first time. So it wasn't until like maybe I was 19 or 20 that I really learned that she was like dealing with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Did she, um, I mean, she was a doctor, right? Yeah. So was she like um, on any kind of medication for it or like, did I, you guys talk about that? I think when we were growing up, she wasn't because I don't think she was like going to therapy or like really talking about it with anyone. So it was a lot of self diagnosing and self um, not even medicating because I don't think she was on any medication. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was it wasn't until I think we were older that she started going to therapy as well and like started addressing some of the issues. So I think. Yeah, a lot of it from the beginning, I think she was just sort of trying to handle on her own. Yeah. Yeah. And then with you guys, like, was she, I don't know, supportive of seeking out more, like, formalized mental health care? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, it was like it, unfortunately, it just happened to be that it, like, reached a point where you couldn't ignore it anymore for it to become something we actually, like, took action on and, like, sought help with. But. Uh, but in that sense, like when it did happen, she was like very supportive and very like, I want you guys to like get the help you need. And I think it in hindsight was a really good thing because it kind of broke it open for everyone. Um, but yeah, it sort of took that point of, um, 
collapse a little bit to get to the other side of like, oh, this is something that is important and needs to be addressed. Yeah. 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 Um, is your mom still around now? I yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, so, uh, like, what does she think about it when you, um, like, I know you were saying kind of everyone just kept their shit to themselves and right. you know, dealt with it and whatever. So like, what do your parents think about it when you're, um, like talking about this stuff on stage or like, yeah, I think they're, they're, they've always been supportive of, of me doing comedy and I think at first they were a little bit hesitant with it being like a full-time thing and thought of it more as like a hobby or like something you do on the side but I mean I do feel like they've never been like don't do it or like don't um try to pursue it full-time yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like they've always been um supportive even if it's like a cautious sort of where it's like are you sure this is gonna be something you can support yourself with but in that sense they've never um they've never been like don't talk about this on stage or like you know they I think they some of my sense of humor doesn't always translate to them so they're kind of just like more supportive of me just doing it and being like oh like you know everyone else seemed to enjoy what you're talking about um and I think my mom is a lot more open now about her own mental health stuff and talking about our um, my sister and I's like how we're doing lately and stuff uh, with us. So yeah. I think that has kind of broken down some of the stigma around it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because I don't feel now like it's a thing that can't be talked about or it, it feels like since we've all acknowledged we deal with it, it's made it less of this like thing that no one mentions yeah yeah what about your dad does he have any I mean he doesn't I don't think he he is kind of from that generation where it's like men don't talk about their emotions and like (laughs) they're just so out of touch with them that it's it I think it's like just a goal of being like this made you feel like this you know or it's like are you having a hard time um so I think he's supportive in the sense of like He's like, oh, this is clearly something you all share and go through. But I don't know if he has that direct understanding of it as more of like kind of this outsider perspective of like, oh, this is clearly something you all have to address. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that your parents had an arranged marriage. Yeah. How has that or like do you think it's impacted um, either how you see relationships or how they see relationships for you just in terms of like what they want for you or like yeah I mean growing up I wasn't allowed to date and I think my sister sort of broke down that barrier first where she wanted to like push push the envelope (laughs) on that and be like why can't I and you know it's it's so the norm here that it's kind of hard to be like oh I'm I'm gonna just do what my parents did but I think my parents at least from the beginning were like oh you guys should both you know get arranged marriages or we should at least like talk to our friends about people who could be potential matches for you and I think we were always very like opposed to that just because it felt very um forced or something of like trying to force a different culture onto how we we grew up and I Do you think that it sort of makes your approach to a relationship different in that you're you're not like looking necessarily for the connection first. You're looking for more like what would be a stable arrangement for like long term. um, Yeah, security. So I think in that sense, 
dating made less sense to them in that it's kind of doing the opposite objective first. Um, But now I think they're more like my sister and I I think have both been so uh, like not conventional in so many things life choices that I think they're sort of just like as long as you guys are happy like we can't obviously you're not gonna like kind of stick to this formula of what what is expected of people so yeah we're we've kind of made peace with that yeah (laughs) I know I I feel like that must be strange to um have your kids grow up in such a totally different culture right and like sound different from you. Right. Like think like that some of your beliefs are totally foreign to them. Totally. You know? And also to just come, yeah, to to just be like a fish out of water in this new environment and really just want to do the best you can to, to make a home and like a living for yourself. And then, yeah, it must it must be a little strange to, to raise kids and then have them have like the opposite Um belief system as you did or just entire like way of going about things must be so I don't know like disorienting in some ways yeah yeah Yeah. did anything that you saw growing up kind of influence how you thought about careers like did it turn you off of going into something that would be the sort of crazy hours that your parents worked for example or like I like how do you like oh I saw actually I was doing research on you and I saw that you worked on um Kamau's show yeah I know him from school like we were friends a long long time ago when he was like he was working in the used bookstore in Berkeley oh my gosh that's (laughs) so funny he's the person that like um that convinced me that people can make a living doing creative stuff. Right, right. Because I remember there was a night that we were all out and he had decided that day that he was going to just go for it. Oh, wow. Comedy. And we and everyone was like, I don't know, come out. It seems yeah. so risky. Right. He was like, I have to like remove the safety net of my day yeah. job. It stuck in my head. I was younger than him at the time. And, you know, so I was like, wow. And right. <laughs> like, but it stuck in my head and I think it's, I don't know. To me, I feel like I needed someone, I don't know, to see someone do that. Yeah, like an like, example oh, of that. You yeah. Do that, you know, because um, my parents were, I mean, my dad is very much of the mindset that like, you know, your free time is for things you enjoy. Right. No, totally. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of that in my uh, parents too, where it's kind of like there are certain things that are like, you know, leisure activities or, yeah. or things that you do because you find them fulfilling but then there's your work and your work is work yeah 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 so I think there was this relationship to work and that I might have internalized or or projected from them where it was like oh work isn't necessarily something you enjoy but it's like something you have to do and something that's probably gonna take up most of your the hours in your day oh, it's so bizarre that we're like this thing that we spend most I of know, our time doing so should scary. not be enjoyable yeah <laughs> yeah like if you're having too good a time it means you're probably not in the right job or something yeah it's a very strange relationship but I I do think some of that was just like also I internalized it from where there would just be like less um emphasis on like you know like relaxing is as important a part of the equation as working like you need one to balance out the other where I would like there would be so much guilt around if you're not working that it's like 
there would just be this drudgery then associated with work where it was like, oh no, well, this is when the fun has to end or this is the part that, you know, I ha- always do reluctantly or whatever. Always like that feeling of like Sunday night where it's like, I have to go back to school on Monday. Yeah. Um, so I think in that sense, I was a very uh, not in the mindset of like, oh, you can, you know, fulfill a passion as a career or you can make a sort of unconventional life for yourself that just seemed very um outside of the realm of possibility or not or just like not a choice that was open to me but then at the same time I always grew up feeling like kind of this outsider from like all my peers and just never felt like I had a clear direction even though I was like you know checking off all the boxes like doing well in school and like doing all the extracurriculars like it just felt like something was always missing so I think I in the end it was like even when I tried to like conform to that so hard like it just wouldn't fit for me yeah yeah so when did you start um pursuing comedy and like did you I don't know like at what point did you tell your parents yeah I mean for me it was kind of almost just at a breaking point because it was like when I was having trouble in college and it was when I was first able to name like that I was like kind of dealing with depression anxiety and it for me it first came out in behaviorally as a sort of like eating disorder and it was like a problem with and I was like running cross country in school so everything sort of like snowballed a little bit with like eating problems and then because I was running a lot I like lost a lot of weight and then but then like when I worked on that it sort of came out that like oh this was sort of coping behavior for dealing with depression anxiety and like not knowing how to name them or or um, deal with them so once I was able to kind of start getting treatment for those I think and this is probably common for people when they first go on antidepressants but you sort of like your entire like worldview shifts a little because you're like oh I didn't know I could experience the world this way like I would I always had this kind of heavy filter on everything um so I really think that like initial like kick of euphoria is kind of what probably gave me the bravery to do stand-up for the first time because I don't think the previous form of me would have been brave enough to try it but Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was just something I was like in this phase of my life where I was like, I should just try everything, you know? And so it was something I tried on a whim. I, I just had like a sort of building interest in comedy in high school. And I think it went well enough that I was like, oh, maybe this is something I can just do. And I don't know what will happen with it, but I'll, maybe it's just something that I can pursue and, and just see what it is and, and do it on my own terms. And so that was kind of how I first dipped my toe in. And I think because my parents were kind of just like wanting me to get better and like re, you know, re-engage with life, they were kind of open to anything as well. Yeah. 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 yeah that makes sense. Do you feel like it, um, like doing comedy helps with managing depression and anxiety too? I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but like when I think about it, it oh, you get to be like really open about things. Right, right. <laughs> in a way that seems like it might be helpful. I don't right. know. Right. I think... Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways it is and in some ways it feels like it's worse because I think (laughs) when you're in, I think probably, I mean, life in general is so erratic. You'd never know what will come down the pipeline. But I do think like 
in a creative field and especially when you're sort of creating or like fueling a lot of your own opportunities and there's no set schedule it's just very easy I think to to fall into patterns of either comparing or judging yourself or being like this is what I could do better or like why am I here and this person is here so I think it it can be very triggering if you have a mindset that kind of skews negative but but the good side of it um, as you were saying, is that you are free to like talk about everything and like everything is open and you can be a little bit less. Um, I feel like in certain like corporate work environments or something, you have to kind of gloss over everything and mm-hmm. be like put a happy face on it or just be like, how do I create this end result? And no one cares about like the process it took to get there. So I think in that sense, you don't have to like really tamp down that part of your humanity but but yeah I think it can go either way where you have to sort of temper the the complete freedom with with like reasonable expectations of yourself and like some giving yourself some grace yeah yeah, yeah. I work 100% independently yeah. too so it, sometimes I feel like I'm being I'm I have like manic depressive behaviors in my right. work you mm-hmm. know where it's mm-hmm. like I, I get these manic frenzies of totally 10 projects at a time and yeah, I get them all yeah. done in this month and then it's like I'm tapped out. I know. You're like, how did I even start one of those? I know. Um, Okay. What about, uh, was there anything about either your childhood or I don't know, anything in general that, um, that influenced you one way or the other on your thinking about whether or not you want to have kids yourself? Oh yeah. That's a great question. I, I think, and I think I didn't fully address this before, but, um, I do think my parents like work schedules did make me be like oh I don't want to pursue the type of work where I would never uh be at home or be able to spend any time with my kids um and I didn't I wasn't like oh they should have done it differently I was I did kind of always feel like they did the best they could given their circumstances but I was like I don't know if I would want that necessary like path but um I do th- it's weird because I do think like pursuing a creative career has made me less inclined to have kids and I'm not sure what exactly it is like I don't know if it's the lack of structure where I'm just like I don't know if I would want to put another person in this type of environment mm-hmm. or if it, it feels hard to like manage my own uh like needs and and you know responsibilities and then factor in the idea of bringing a whole nother life into the equation like I think it's a number of factors but I think for me personally I've never been like had a strong urge to be like I have to have kids like I have Mm -hmm. to have a family um and I think having sort of an unconventional life has maybe furthered that belief already yeah 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 that makes sense um, yeah, I never had that either. I had, I have friends that definitely had like a mm-hmm. moment where they were like, I right. have to have kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. I was like, it seems like it, it is not a, a, like an epiphany, but it does feel like you, you have that drive on some level or in mm-hmm. some form. And yeah, I, I just, um, my sister actually just had a kid and it's like my parents' first grandkid and like my first nephew and, mm-hmm. and like. I love him and he's like amazing and incredible and it's like pretty awe-inspiring to just see like a new life come into the world but yeah. 
but it still hasn't like you know scratched that itch of like I need to do that. I need yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I ha- I have kids, so <laughs> I hope they don't like hear this one. No, day go, no, oh, really, mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it just never. I never was like dr- like I never had like a yeah. you know, and I definitely like watched friends clearly have like a like thing that yes. happened where I was like huh um but it is hard to balance kids and creative right. stuff extremely it's like uh there was a good es- like a couple of like good essays about mm-hmm. that recently where they were talking about how like um like there they were women who were saying that they didn't want to have kids because they wanted to be the the creative monster that men are like able right. to be you know yeah like, like cuz there is that like it takes up energy um and like space in your brain yeah i think i heard someone talking about it recently too where it was like men can have kids and still be creative because they still are able to sort of get away with doing a little less when they're the father and the there's like the mom like it's just like you know we as of now we haven't figured out a way for men to breastfeed so yeah (laughs) Yeah. There's just certain things that are um, just fall on the woman more. Yeah. And yeah, there isn't a way around it. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you is yeah. if there's any aspect of your um, of your sets ever that you like worry about what your mom will think if she sees it or hears it. Huh. Or is like there any self-censoring? I know like... A lot of writers and stuff that are like, ooh, like I want to write about this, but I have to wait oh, till my mom's right. dead. <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah. No, yeah, that so makes a lot of sense. Like I mean, I think with my act, I haven't gotten so personal that I think I'm like, oh, I should really run this by them. Like I, I did a thing for a while. I was doing like a PowerPoint and I kind of poked fun at my parents <laughs> texting. Yeah. Um, but that was still lighthearted. But I think even then, I think my dad was like, I could tell it sort of stung him a little. And I, I think it did make me realize like, oh my gosh, these are people. And I'm like talking about them in a very public way. So I think it has made me a little bit more aware. I haven't gone the route yet of being like very unguarded about family stuff. Yeah. Um, I think if I did, I would probably try to run it by them but I tend to start from a very personal place and I'm and for me it's like so personal of like just like in my own head so I think I try to just use that as an overall rule for myself of like how did it affect you like and not focusing as much on like what did this person do to me or you know it's more like how did that filter through my brain. You can see that PowerPoint bit in Aparna's new special out on Netflix. Go watch it. She's hilarious, and I hope we'll get to watch her in a lot more things this year. Tell Me About Your Mother is produced by me, Amy Westervelt, with additional production help from Michael Ann Petrella and Natalie Wekeser. Our music is by B. Beeman, that's B-H-I-B-H-I-M-A-N, and original illustrations for each episode are drawn by James Guthman. You can follow us on Twitter at About Your Ma or on Insta at Pod. that's T-M-A-Y-M-P-O-D. 
We're part of the Critical Frequency Podcast Network. That's the network that I co-own with Maya Francis, another journalist. She and I really feel strongly about supporting women podcasters, and we hope you do too. If you feel the same, please check out our Patreon campaign. It's under Critical Frequency, and any donations there benefit all the podcasts on the network. So if you can give, please check it out. If you can only give a little bit of your time, we understand and we'll take it. Please give us a review or a rating at the podcast store or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us find listeners in the increasingly crowded world of podcasts. If you want to get in touch to suggest someone to interview or you have feedback for a show or just want to talk about your mom in general, feel free to shoot me a note anytime. I'm at amy at criticalfrequency.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.